Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Remember that when the Flyers used to play Kate Smith? Yeah, time? man, that was that was pretty cool. Get people pumped up. I mean, John Amarante was similar. Yeah, and the new guy they're into. Yeah, John Brancy. That yeah. thing, he's pretty good too. I love when they get someone like you know, sometimes at the Super Bowl they want to get the star that sings this wild version of the national. I'd rather get somebody from the military get up there and sing it the way it's intended to be sung. No, I mean, they sing it. But the Super Bowl, they, they you know they, uh, they that's all lip sync. Is it lip sync? Even Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah. She really? Oh yeah. And that's a great performance, but she lip synced. Why would they lip sync? Probably just for the sound quality on TV. But yeah, they lip synced that one. The yeah. one in Chicago in '91, the All Star Game was all the NHL All Star Game was also Ooh, awesome. that was good. Yeah. So yeah. everybody knows about hockeyfights.com. So I'm just gonna go through, and we're gonna talk about your fights. I'm see if you can remember any of these. Very good. So Larry Belding, first one. The first fight was Larry Belding. He's with the Boston Bruins. How'd you do? I actually don't remember it. Neither does he. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, I don't recall the fight at all. Because that was your first fight. Then you had a uh, Norm Barnes. With his beard, right? Oh, yes. That was at the garden. He ran. I remember I saw a video of this recently. He ran Anders Hedberg from behind. Now, I was more mad because I was the one that passed Anders to kind of say it was a bad. He uh, gave him the right bar. He gave me the FU oh, pass or the buddy pill. Uh, and he ran head first, uh, Anders head first. So I grabbed. It was pretty good spank. And it was good. It was like when I fought, I really wasn't smart at all. I just stand back and throw him and start. Right. Yeah. And that's what Norm Barnes did too. But that was good. I remember that because that was early in my career, my first, my first year, I believe. And after a bubble comes by, gives me a little pat in the back. Like, right. you think, you want, yeah, you want to get accepted by the old yeah, guys. Sure. But so did, it was Hedberg upset about the hospital no, He didn't say anything. No, no. And then you fought Brad Smith. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, Brad Smith and I became very good friends after, too. And they, they Red, Red Wings, right? At Red Wings, he was with, he was with Toronto for a while, but he was with the Red Wings at the time. And I, I gave them pretty good in that one, but he was a tough guy. Like, I won that fight, but he's went way more fights than I. Ever was and he did really well. He's a, a scout now too, so I would see him on the road all the time as an agent and scout. Let's get him on, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. The next one was Al McAdam. Is that the North Stars? Uh, yeah, he's with the North Stars. I did not know how tough he was. Uh, he was picking on Eddie Johnstone, so I stepped in and uh, I actually had two fights that game. It was the only time I had two fights in my career. Oh, the same game? Yeah. And then you fought Bobby Smith. Bobby Smith, yeah. So McAdam was tough, like, but he wasn't that big a guy, but he was really smart. A lot like a Darren Lang, you know, knowing how to hold on and everything. 
So I stepped in there thinking I'm the big tough guy. I'm going to spank this little guy around because I didn't know who he was. And he, he was good. But then he fought Bobby Fifth, who wasn't, he was a big guy, but not really a fighter. Yeah, not really a fighter. Something happened. I spanked him pretty good too. I had him down and uh, I, he's a big man. Yeah. So I don't want to think. I tried to pick him up. I grabbed him by the back of the collar and the back of his pants. I tried to pick, pick him up and slam him. Wow. Barry, Barry Beth comes over to me, died laughing as I've skated to the box. He goes, you tried to body slam him. He was all excited about that. <laughs> and that. And then the last fight of your year was was i can't remember it's dale hunter oh he bit me in the cheek <laughs> go, go back is that gardner is that in washington where is it? Yeah, no he was in quebec city oh he's in quebec. yeah right in front of our bench something happened and he wasn't much of a fighter now he was a tough guy but he really wasn't a fighter that much so i gave it to him pretty good and then the ball up like we we're wrestling or whatever he bit, bites me in the cheek he bit you yeah bit me in the cheek. Uh, yeah all right that was that was accepted back then Next year, uh, you only have two fights to get in. The more of a pacifist, you know, uh, fight Greg Adams first. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good one. Uh, so he was with Philly. We had a big scrum. Kenny Lindsman was picking on uh, Carol Vadney, and I think they scored on the play too. And then they're at center ice. Everybody's wrestling and everything. And by that time, so now Herb Brooks had come in, and he really didn't want me fighting that much. Yeah. So I hadn't fought much. So Adams, I don't think he might have been a rookie. So he didn't know if I could fight or not. He's yapping at me. Uh, I, I saw the video of this. Uh, so everybody's kind of separating, and he's yapping at me, and. Uh, I finally said, that's it. I need to show this kid what I can do. <laughs> knocked him out one, uh, knocked him down with one punch. He got back up again. But that was good. Was that, that was home fight? Or? Yeah. Home fight. yeah. Then you fought Dave Hutchinson. Dave Hutchinson? I can't remember that one. Who was he with? I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm still going, I'm going through your hockey fight. It's Pittsburgh or something. Uh, it was 82, so maybe it was Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, but that was your only fight, uh, uh, That the only two fights that year. The next year, you only had one fight. Who was that? Uh, it was Gary Risley. Oh, Gary Risley. A, a good guy. So he was up and down from the miners all the time. And then the hotel we stayed in in Pittsburgh was right by the rink. That's where they house the guys that are up and down. So uh, it was after a game one night. Uh, he's walking back, and we'd always be yapping. He said, and I hate to say this, but he was known as the ugliest, ugliest guy that ever played in the NHL. And far. <laughs> I was saying to him all, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't argue with it anyways. But, so we kind of got to know each other, but then he ran, I think it was with the guard. He did something to Ben Beesbrook, so I had to step in and say, he was a tough little player, though. I, yeah. I laugh about him being ugly, but he was tough. All right, next year, you fight Perry Anderson. Oh, that was bad. I lost that one. I got spanked it. He was, he was a guy kind of ran around a lot. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, didn't fight. So I was, uh, I think I was assistant captain, maybe captain at the time. I thought, I need to stop this. So I was being cocky as usual. I figured, okay, I'm going to grab this guy and spank around a little bit. Didn't have it. I, you know, I, I think I may have tripped it. Either way, he beat me. Uh, and I actually went down. And that's an awful feeling when you go down. You lose a fight. Was that at home? It was at home. But, you know, because that's the thing about fighting. It's like not the getting hurt part, but it's the ego part, too. Because you get a chance to lose. If you're going to fight, you know, all fighters, they lose fights sometimes. And so you just want to crawl in a hole. Like, oh. I'm gonna do with, like, what do the teammates say to you? Like, hey, well, I, I'm not looking away and shaking their head. Well, they do come by and they, they go, they strike off. Like, this is, but it's <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, right. I get beat. <laughs> but it's like, most players say this. At least you showed up for the fight. Right, that's right. And then your last fight that year was Marty McSorley. You've talked about that one. Too. Yeah, man. I did. I think I knew he was tough, but I didn't know he was. All, I obviously I didn't know he was going to become Marty McSorley. Uh, but I did pretty well the first uh, part of it. Like uh, Marty, and he said this himself. Uh, he really wasn't a heavy puncher. Like he didn't hurt a lot of people. It just he would never quit. But he was wide too. He had yeah. wide shoulders. Yeah. So again, I did well early. Uh, but he was one of those fighters, again, not a lot like Darren Langdon, who were kind of second half fighters. Like, so I spanked pretty good early. And then he got me, and the linesman jumped in. But he was, uh, I had it tied up pretty good, so he wasn't going to hurt me. But uh, that was good. That was that was good. Right. But I told the story too, though. That after the, the worst thing about it after was, again, true. I give Marty a ton of credit, but he could not play back then. Right. He had to fight all the time. 
So every time uh, we played against him, if nothing was going on, he'd just be going, Layla, let's go. Because he wanted to take, get in a fight to show that he was right. in a fight. So I, finally I said to him, I said, listen, I'm not keeping you up in the league any longer. Well, you had, well, that was that year, then 85. You didn't fight at all in 85. Is that when you hurt your spleen? Yeah, there was. There was a spleen guy. Yeah, yeah. So then the next year, you, I think you went down a division, started picking up some real tough guys. Who? Mike Bullard. Oh, I know. Something well, happened. Good right? with Mike Bullard. I know. I smoked him. Yeah, that was that was embarrassing because you shouldn't fight guys like that. Then you know? fight Claude Loisel. Uh, oh, he could tight. He was tough. Yeah, cause, yeah, we had a big brawl against the Flyers, and he and I paired off. Uh, so no, he was he was good one. Yeah, and then you fought John McClain, who was sneaky tough. What John McClain? Yeah, he did. Wow. And he was hey the great one liners too. We we got I was in L.A. one time, and he was uh, still Jersey. He was a captain, and I uh, I said to him in different different words. I won't use exact words. I used like, who did you to get to be captain? Who did you blow? Or yeah, can we say that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I said, oh, so who'd you blow to be get to be captain? Here's what he says, since you blow to still be in the league. Oh, bingo. It was one of those ones that good one like that where you just go, you just get away and you just get nothing much hate. Yeah, he zinged you. You got to go. So, how'd you do in that fight? Who won? I can't remember that one. I wouldn't, I don't think that would be much of a fight. It was probably us. And then you fought Big Mo Mantha. Well, that was in a brawl at Pittsburgh. Uh, and that really wasn't much of a fight with him and I. I had actually, he wasn't a much of a fighter at all, but uh, we played against you, so we kind of knew each other. Right. So, I had him pinned down on the ice. And I said, they're yelling from, from the Pittsburgh bench. You do better not hit him better not hit him. And I, I think that kind of put the issue down there. So he's interesting. Yeah, but what happened was Mario, he was tougher back at that point. He'd gotten even more competitive as a player. They were after Thomas Sandstrom. So I was able to hold Mo down, and I grabbed uh, uh, Mario by his arms to hold on to him. Okay. And so uh, it was kind of funny. You see the video. It's kind of funny that uh, Mo had to. And then, but then you go and you finish the year fighting off Jan Ludwig. He, no, he, I know, smaller kid. But I didn't start. The, he came after me in that really? fight. Yeah, oh, he could fight. He was tough. I remember I like I didn't know who he was really, so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm the big tougher guy than him. So I started pushing him around a little bit, and he came right after me to fight. So Jack Flair, Devils, yeah. 20, number twenty nine, I think. Yep. Right? And actually, right yeah, he, he was uh, he was a gritty little guy. He, he was still a competitive little guy. Yeah. And then now the, now you get traded to the Kings. So your yeah. last two fights, yeah, we fought twice. We fought Scott Stevens somehow. Yeah. Well, how did that happen? We had a brawl going on, like, and that wasn't much. Yeah, it's one of those deals that we were both older players at the time. We kind of knew each other from like he was in Washington, I was yeah. the Rangers. So it was it wasn't like I'd done something to him or he'd done something to me. So I think we was more us grabbing on as your guy. Yeah, I mean that's a tough guy. Yeah, actually, all the guys on LA came to me after and said, "You know, he's tough, right?" I said, "Yeah." I and he, he had to rep- kind of be the psycho too, right? He did. Uh, I, oh, I remember what happened to uh, Hunter, who had bit me. Uh, he was in front of the net, and I really wasn't trying to get him back from when he bit me. I was trying to lift a stick up uh, in front of the net. Missed the stick when I put the nose, just destroyed his nose, nose bleeding all over the place. Oh, so Stevens came to the rescue? I think that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. But they all knew, like I said, I said, listen, I, it wasn't my intent to do that to you. Is he like, F you laid low? He still got me. No, nah, he was, nah, he was good about it. He was like, and again, you know, when you played longer like that, you build a reputation. Like if you're a dirty player, like, and I didn't have that reputation. So, they, so you, you earned that. Yeah. And then your final fight in your last year was with Mark Hunter. Wow. What wonder where that was. I can't even remember that one. Maybe that was he with. Was he Montreal at that point? Wow, that's interesting. Well, I don't remember that. One. That's it. So you got you had seventeen fights for the Rangers, and right. you had one fight for the Kings. Oh, so Stevens was with the Rangers then, I guess. Uh, Stevens was with. That. Oh, I must have been. I don't know. It says it's, but maybe the stats are wrong. It was probably with the Kings because it was yeah. eighty-seven. Yeah, and you you yeah. you fought four times with the Penguins, twice against the Red Wings, twice against the Devils. Oh, and your biggest lot. Really, you only have list your rivals, but it's only you only fought guys once. You never had a repeat fight. Right. So your first fight was Larry Elnick. There, I, I, he, we've talked about that before, and I really can't remember it. He didn't remember it either. I, I, I don't think it'd be much. So that'd probably be the game where I shot the puck in my own net too. So. That early, wow, Jesus! 
So that's your fights. Now, our guest today, Danny Gare, who is a great goal scorer, had a lot of fights, a lot more. I think he had 85 fights oh, for yeah. a little guy. Yeah. He did well. Uh, we talked about it before, too. He was one of those guys that when you looked at the, across at the roster, the, you had to play against guys. He could score. He could fight. He's a leader, a captain. 50 goals twice. Oh, a lot, lot of 85 fights in the NHL. That's a lot of fights. I agree. It's just that like, you talk about building a character. Like you talk about Danny Gare, everybody's like, wow, I love that guy. Yeah. Like, he's, it, it, was, it was dirty. Just a real hard player. No, he's funny, and people are going to enjoy this interview. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, really good. Big right. guy. I hate to give you credit, but that was a great get. Well, there we go. And let's cue the music. Oil Long, take us out. Oh, God. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, that's you. Let Oil Long. Let's play our theme music. Go. Hey, Tom, we got a great show today. We have a two-time 50-goal scorer, guy who scored. 354 goals in the NHL, which is about 325 more than you did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, was captain of the Buffalo Sabres. Today we have Danny Gare on the show. Oh, one of the toughest little buggers, too. I hated playing against you. How are you doing that, brother? Good to see you. Hey, it's great to be on your show, Tommy. It's been a while. Um, yeah. uh, it's funny how when the time goes by, you get you know a note from you to, to go on your podcast. The first thing I said was, there was one tough son of a bitch yeah. that I said when I played against you and the Old Garden, or the gardens it was, and all the Rangers. We we had a lot of good games. But good to yeah, see you. good to see you too. That is, men were men back then, right? I've watched oh, some, of the, some of the stuff we did to each other. I, I'll tell a great story, and I admire you the time, even when you were a player playing against. It, I just thought you were like obviously a very talented player, but tough too, like a team leader and all that. I think you were in Buffalo at the time, maybe in Detroit, and there was a game at the Garden. We went out for warmups. You guys did not come out for warmups. You had a big team meeting. And uh, right away, at the start of the game, you we, we kind of knew each other more through Maury, I think. Right. Like and either. you do, I could fight a little bit, and you fought a lot, and you come right over to me, and you wanted to get the fight because you wanted to get your team going. I said, ah, can't help you tonight. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, That's the kind of player you were, though. You would take on. Yeah, he's good. It, it, it's funny, you know, what? because I have four grandchildren, and my oldest granddaughter, who's um, a senior this year, she's 18, she, you know, has friends that are hockey players that play hockey and she says Bapa she says you know have you ever gone on to hockeyfights.com and I said what you know I, I'm no IT guy I don't know so she shows me this you know hockeyfights.com and I had over I don't, 100 sites yeah. Joe, and I've raced them blah 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 and I believe your name was in there oh was it okay <laughs> oh, well, maybe we did go out like that I, 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 I think we might have went out of one oh, time but yeah but, but seriously, though, right? in those days, too, there's certain guys that you lined up against. You go, oh, I got to play against him. I think it was a respect thing, but it was also like, oh, man, this is going to be a tough night over here. You were one of those guys for sure. So, where were you born? Where's your hometown? Hometown's um, Western uh, British Columbia called Nelson. Come on. A little town in the Kootenays and um, loved growing up there. Um, we were, my dad played hockey there for the senior team and. We were a skating family, Tommy. The girls were figure skaters, a family six. My brothers played hockey, um, and uh, it was a great place to grow up. Pat Price was from Nelson. I played, I played minor hockey with Pricey. Greg Adams, uh, also from Nelson. But, yeah, no, it was a great place to, to, to um, grow up. Dad was my mentor. He, he he was the athletic director of the university there in Notre Dame after he, he quit hockey, got into, you know, um, working with young kids and started the scholarship program there. Um, and, 
and it was great. You know, they had a college team there, and I used to just skate with it. You know, the senior team go out, go out with the college team, go whenever I could, and and work out at the gymnasium. He taught me, you know, I had to do this and that in order to get to where I was going. Shoot two, three hundred bucks a day, blah blah blah. But it worked for me, and I loved going up there. It was. I just got back. Uh, I was out there, spent some time every summer there. So I know you and I know your brother, Maury, and the one key thing that you both have is that character, right? That grit and determination. Does that come from your father a lot? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, dad was dad was a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching him play and getting in fights. Back then, and, and, you know, senior hockey, it was, we thought, I mean, it was tough, tough hockey. My younger brother, he was drafted by the Islanders, and uh, his big thing was dad was always about education, and um, he started the first athletic scholarship program back in the 60s, my dad. His vision was amazing. And, and a lot of players that didn't get to go to um, – you know, maybe pro hockey. So they came and they got paid and got their education that senior and played for the college team there in, in Nelson, Notre Dame. Ori was always, dad was always, you know, he wanted me to go to the, and my last year in Calgary, I remember I, when I left home at 16 to play for the Calgary Centennials um, with uh, Scotty Monroe was the, uh, the coach or the GM there. Uh, and, uh, we had some good teams. My last year, we used to take correspondence because we couldn't. We were traveling all the time on buses, so the correspondence was, you know, I was two courses short of grade twelve. And I said to my dad, you know, that summer, I said, Dad, I just want to concentrate on hockey. Just want to concentrate. He said, and if I don't make the, you know, get drafted, I'll go back to school. So, long story short, I get drafted by the Sabers. Um, and my brother Maury went to to Northern Michigan because you know he, he he again my father was strong on education and um, Maury went there and uh, played there four years and then yeah. went on to help coach with Rick Conley in ninety he won the NCAA so yeah That's right yeah did Walt did Walt Kyle recruit him Walt Kyle yeah, yeah. good old Walt yeah, yeah. good old Walt now too Walt's lost weight he's all down skinny and shape and everything now got a young daughter. I I saw him this summer at Maury's. Uh, he came up and he looks great. And, yeah. You know, there was guys like, I remember Billy Pye who played for the yeah. state. He was on that team. And Al yeah. Hillier. Al Hillier is a kid from Cranbrook who wasn't too far from Nelson. He's assistant coach now, I think, with the Kings. But Was it was it Jimmy or Al? Was it Jimmy Hiller? Jim Hiller. Jimmy Hiller, sorry. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he's still well the coaching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Hiller. Scott, yeah. The, the Cooties produced some pretty good players. Yeah. I was going to say that, right? That area where you're from, they go Dallas Drake's up around that area Dallas, as well, right? Yeah. Too, yeah, Dallas, the Murdoch brothers, yeah. uh, Stevie Tabellini, uh, Ray Ferraro from Trail. Yeah, a lot of guys. I mean, we. Yeah. it's been a good area, to, you know, like I said, to, uh, to to raise the family and grow up, and we were very fortunate to do that. Definitely. So what round were you drafted in by the Sabres? Well, I was the beer uh, under eight. Now, all years that the WHA came in, I was drafted in the first round by the Winnipeg Jets, um, and I was uh, in the second round. I was number twenty-nine um, by the Buffalo Sabers. But there, hell, heck, there was fifteen underage draft picks in the NHL. You know, the in the first round. I remember playing with the Centennials, and I had a good year. My last year, I had broke the record for right wingers goals, sixty-eight, and penalty minutes, two hundred and twelve. Uh, but that's good. I roomed. I roomed with a kid named Grant Mulby, who you may know. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, so Grant was a 17 year old and, um, you know, I was my last year and he calls me the night before the draft and wishes me good luck. Well, the next fucking day I call him up, he gets drafted ahead of me. <laughs> That's excellent. Did you, did you ever think of going to Winnipeg? You know, I did. I, John Ferguson called me and John was a, I mean, I, I grew up watching the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, every Saturday night and hockey night, yeah. And John Ferguson to me was, you know, and my dad loved him too, you know, because he was a tough guy and played the hard game. Uh, he was a Westerner and I believe he was from Vancouver or somewhere um, out West. But he called me and it was interesting. You know, he said, Danny, we're going to match. We want you to come here. We're going to, you know, do some big things. And they'd already signed Bobby Hall, you know. I was like, you know, I was really tempted, really, really tempted. But um, the thing was, is I always wanted to play in the NHL. And Punch Black flew out uh, to Calgary to sign me. He made it because it was, it was, you know, there was a lot of negotiation going on, and and you know, everybody was fighting for the, whoever they wanted. But um, Buffalo wasn't a bad pick. So. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it something about like we grew up as a kid watching the, all these guys on TV, like John Ferguson and everything. Now all of a sudden you're drafted and you're talking to these guys and they're trying to get you to come play for their team, right? I had I had a, a wonderful uh, trip with him. They, there was an event company in Toronto that did a fishing trip um, up near Alaska. And uh, there was Johnny, no, it was John Ferguson, myself, uh, Bobby Bond, Rick By, and Dennis Potvin. We went and it was a great trip. And John Ferguson never came out fishing because he was a horse you know he loved the horses in the afternoon so he didn't in that in the and it was a beautiful place they had he you know it was right out in on a barge and he'd be having a glass of red wine and <laughs> so i got i got in there and that was the first time i've ever met him and i and he said he says oh we would have loved to have you danny just a real gentleman and um Really, really, really honored to meet him. And, uh, you know, he did okay in, in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So did you tour pro right after you are drafted? Yes. Okay, good. And yeah, I, Gilbert Pro were those guys still playing? Right. I went I went to training camp. It was actually um, Tommy in, in St. Catharines, Ontario. Oh, that's right. First time I've ever been down that way, you know. Um, and went into camp with the hotter rookies, you know, like they did back in the day. and. Made the cut, and um, remember the first time with uh, the big team like Perot, Martin, and Robert, and Jim yeah. Feld, and Jerry Korab. They had a pretty good team. I mean, it was yeah. a, a quick team, a fast team, and we just, you know, my first year, my first game, I scored a goal in 18 seconds. I'm like, oh, did you? Wow. It's it's a modern-day rookie record. Uh, um, yeah, it's it's. It was crazy. We were playing against the Boston Bruins, and our line, I played with Luce, Don Luce and Craig Ramsey, and we were a checking line. And I always felt I could score goals because of junior. But what we did was, um, you know, we did very well in checking the top lines because they would fly out of the zone and we would stay in and, and, and you know, turn the puck over and they'd get me in. I remember the first game I'd line up against in the old auditorium that was Cashman, as oh. Hodge, or, or and I think it was Doak on defense and Cheesy in the net. Well, the puck comes back around the board and into their end. Schoenfeld takes a shot, and 
he makes the save, and then I get the rebound and put it between his legs in 18 seconds. Very cool. Very cool. And I'm, and I think I might have beat that record, though. My first game was also in Boston Garden. I shot my own net. JD was in net. I was I was so nervous. I've told this so many times. I was so nervous. I went to shoot it around the back of the back the ring. They didn't the give Tommy the puck, though, they, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> no, God, JD, JD was our goalie in, in Calgary. What a great man. Yes. Yeah, that's right, too. Yes. But I feel bad for him with the whole. A little surprised. Oh, the look he gave me through the mask. You know, you're, you're a rookie player, and JD was all those guys. You wanted to be have JD embrace you, right? They bought right. the team. And the look he gave me, I just, I wanted to crawl into a hole. It was, uh, it was the worst feeling. So. so the next night, Tom goes out and sucker punches Robert Picard. Yeah, because we have to fit. Yeah, Freddie Shearer was coaching, and uh, he called myself, Kinsopolis, to Osmar in, told us, listen, you're not playing the first five minutes of each game, you're not playing the last five minutes. Now, I'm not telling you to fight, but what do you think you can do to help the team? So, right. so right. Picard, uh, by the end of it, it really wasn't that bad, but it was right in front of a bench, and I think, uh, listen, if I don't do something about it, I, I'm not I'm not going to make this team, so I suckered him, knocked him out cold. <laughs> well, I've seen that a few times, um, you know, back when we played. Who was your coach then? Sorry. Well, Freddie was coaching at that time. Freddie, okay. sure. Hero, yeah. yeah. He was the well that year, my first year, we went to the finals against uh, the Flyers, Stanley Cup finals. And is that the fog and everything? Yeah, that was oh, okay. And I said in my roast, I had um, Dave Schultz come up to my roast a few years in for charity, and Schultz, he was great. Yeah. And he, you know, because he came to Buffalo at one time when I was a captain, he got traded here, but that's right. I, I remember um, Schultz, he. You know, I said to I said the thing that that beat us that year was there were two things. One was Bernie Brock was amazing, even the best he ever played. He said, and the second one was Kate Smith. You never thanks. You never won. Even she sang. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but it was a good series. Yeah. Good. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. So you had to show him. No, I was going to say, Dan, you're, you're not a big guy. You're a really good fighter. Like, what made you a good fighter? You and Dan, He fought, like, oh, yeah. Elias. Yeah. He fought Stan Jonathan. He yeah. fought Ben Wilson. Like, what made you such a good fighter? Well, I'll tell you this story. I, I mentioned earlier about my father being my mentor. And um, 
We had just won a, a Bantam championship in British Columbia. Um, we traveled around from Nelson to Trail to Kimberly to Quinnell, and finally we ended up in Vancouver at the North Shore Winter Club. And they were they thought Quinnell was coming in, but we did, and we ended up winning the tournament and or the. Uh, it was the first time ever, and we're at grade eight. We get the fire truck ride into town, and I didn't go up to work out because I used to go up and work out, you know, every other day with dad. And and um, <laughs> finally, after two weeks of you know having fun, I I went up and he's I'm on the bench press and he goes, "So, son, what do you want to do?" I said, "Excuse me, dad." He says, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I, I want I want to play in the NHL <laughs> at the match." He says, come on upstairs to me. So he went upstairs to his office, and behind, he had a map of Canada. And he said, let me tell you something, Danny. He said, in order for you to make the NHL, there's three things you have to do. One is you have to continue to shoot three, 400 pucks a day, which I did underneath our sun deck at home into a net. And um, second one was, he says, you have to work out and get your upper body and lower body stronger. And the third thing he said is you have to learn how to box. Oh, wow. So they had a boxing club there and speed bags, heavy bags, and that's what I started, you know, learning on a box. And well, not, many, not many guys did that either, right, Tommy? Nobody. So I did that for three, four, or five years until, and he said, this is what he said, and every time you do this, he says, he takes his yellow pin, he goes, he puts it on the map of Canada behind him. We're going to put it on one town and every and, 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 and to beat out a certain individual that's trying to do the same thing you're doing. Wow. But the whole setting was there. When I was drafted by the Sabres, that map was full of red, green, blue, yellow, blue, whatever, all the way to Nova Scotia. So that, that's what I, I, how I became a, a good fighter was I could box. And when I got the big guys, like Gillies was a big, I mean, nice, oh. the Schultz. I mean, they're all big. But what they would do, and I had that bubble helmet, I think you wore it. Okay, you did. Yeah, yeah. So when they when they wanted to hit down on me, I'd just go up like this, kind of, I don't want to say turtle, but they would just hit the top of my head. Sure. I'd come up with uppercut when they were tired, like just start pounding with uppercut. The hardest guys to fight were the guys my size, like sure. Jonathan, Howitt, you know, guys like that, that that were tough. They were tough players, but because they were just like cylinders going back and forth. <laughs> Oh, like Stan Jonathan. I remember looking at Stan Jonathan because he's that's like a cinder block there, his head. Like he's punching it. It's like oh. he, he, his head was like cement. <laughs> so, oh. so, Dan, did you purposely wear that Northland helmet, that great gazoo helmet to, for that purpose? Well, that and concussion. It was, it was like I never, I don't think I had a concussion when I played. And uh, with that helmet, I didn't. I mean, it was really protective and it was a little heavier than other ones, but I, I liked it, you know, helped that. So uh, when you're now you do all this boxing and get to the National Hockey League, obviously your confidence level where you're getting in fightings is like, you know, I know what I'm doing now, right? Well, you say to yourself, maybe I belong, right. you know, in some regard. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I didn't have a problem fighting. I really did because yeah. there were bench-clearing brawls in Western Canada. Hell, we had them in New Westminster and the Bruins. Medicine had Tigers, a gas house. I fought all three of them one night in oh. Medicine I mean, it was like this was this was when coming to the National Hockey League, it was similar to what I did in junior, you know. So anybody doesn't remember the gas offs, they had three brothers, all played in the NHL, right? Kenny, Bobby, and um, Brad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they were tough men, too. Oh, man. Yeah. 
I fought all three of them one night. One night you did? In medicine, they turned the lights off because the brawl was so bad. That bad. That's how they stopped. That's how they stopped. It was crazy. Oh. Well, people don't remember. This is a, in Canada. There's the Western Hockey League. There's the Ontario League and the Quebec right. League. The Western Hockey League was always known as the toughest right. guys, right? It, it's not like that as much anymore. It's still tougher, but it's like it's changed so much. The brawls, you went into Moose Jaw and places like that. Yes, yeah, you went into Slim Fawn. You know, they throw coal at you. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, it was like uh, Swift Current. You know, Tiger Williams was there. I mean, there was there was a lot of it was an outlaw league, really. Well. One time, and they joined up with the Canadian, you know, hockey league. Yeah, so, but it was a good, it was a good learning. I mean, it really was tough. Yeah, to leave home, but also tougher riding the buses. But it was a good, um, you know, stepping stone for the national hockey league. So that was the old Calgary Corral, right? That's right. Yeah. So now this, you need a step ladder to get over the boards in this. Country. Yeah, you did, and and the, they did they cement too. Oh yeah. Oh. I remember my first term pro went in there and they had the Kenny Houston and Plinsky, right. all those guys. It's like right. <laughs> the boards were seriously, it was oh I can tell the story about Calgary, okay? This is another one. Um when I played junior and I was the captain and I did you know, lots of we did a lot of things the team did for charity and so forth and so on, like you do with any team. But I had towards the end of the season I had my uh PR guy come up to me or Jack Tennant and said Danny, can I talk to you this after practice one day? I said, sure. He says, so he says, look at the uh, Stony Plain Indian tribe. want to make you an honorary Indian chief. And I thought he was joking. I said, what are you talking about? You know. He said, no, 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 this is serious. These, they're season ticket holders, and they like what you do off the ice and on the ice. And, and they want to, you know, they want to make you an honorary Indian chief and honor you night before, you know, whatever game and then we pick, blah, blah. So we played Regina Pats, and six of the Chiefs came down, Chief Holloway, Chief Lung. They all came down in garb and dress, and, and we get down to center ice, and we're sitting there, and I'm in my, on my skates, obviously in uniform, and they give me a beautiful, beautiful headdress, okay? My name was Chief Flying Eagle. So then we're, they gave me, they, they let's start, the peace pipe, they start passing it around the, you know, the circle. Now, I've never smoked a thing in my life. But that <laughs> and I've taken this peace pipe, and I'm taking a big, oh, I'm coughing on this. So I go to, like, the boards, the dress, and then in, in, into the pet player's box, and Mike Rogers was my center iceman. Huh? The Rangers, Rogers. Mike, Tommy's best, he's Tommy's best he, man. He's my best man when I got married, yeah, well, first time. He, he's my center iceman for two years. Wow. Best. Yeah, good I go, man. Raj, I go, Raj. I don't know where the hell I am. <laughs> I can buzzed out of my mind. Oh, and and I and I, I he says, well, just follow me around for the first five minutes. He'll he'll sweat it out, you know, like. That. Oh. So yeah, that's that. Do you still have the headdress? I do. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. You gotta, we gotta see that sometime. Yeah. You can put on your pretend cowboy hat. Yeah, I'll put on the cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I used what, to go out to their, um, you know, rodeos, and we we did hockey schools for them. They had their own rink. Uh, it's outside near Banff, Stonies, Stony Plain. Yeah, so oh, beautiful. beautiful country out there. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, one summer, uh, Mike and I played together here in New York. Before I got married, uh, I went out and stayed with him during the Calgary Stampede. Yes. Oh man, what a party that was! 
that's that was that's one of the best. Uh, Is it? It's still going on, right? Oh yeah, it's over. They celebrated their hundred hundred um, anniversary. Yeah, I'll tell you, if anybody wants to go on a unique vacation, go up for the Calgary Stampede. Calgary is a beautiful city. You can see the Rocky Mountains and everything. You can go up into Banff. Yeah. And Stampede is they close down all the office buildings and everything. They go to the street and they have cookouts and they're drinking vodka and orange juice at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, I was there one year. Clint Malarchuk, Mallard, rode his horse right in the palace or lobby. Like, took the horse. <laughs> no, actually, it was, a, it was a policeman's horse because his brother Garth I played with. They had a horse that was standing, you know, they were watching the crowds outside the Palliser Hotel. Clint gets on it and rides it right into the lobby and our oh. net back. Oh, man. We were, remember the old St. Louis Hotel? Oh, yeah. Oh, so we'd been out all night. Uh, went home, Mike says, nope, we're going out again. So we're out for breakfast, we're having cocktails. They think, okay, we're going to the St. Louis Hotel, we're going to have some lunch. Yeah, uh, then we can go home and take a nap. Well, we're in there doing shots, and they, they do a shot. They want to throw it down on the ground, break the glass, and everything like that. It was a wild place. It, like, you know, it's a Western, like a real cowboy uh, location. So it's a blast. That was one of the best vacations I had at school. <laughs> so we, we went to uh, Buffalo then when Clint uh, got cut. And, I brought it. Oh, man. I, I, had, I, was doing, I was doing TV down below, um, just outside uh, in the old, uh, outside where they walked in. You know, you walked in right. the ramp up there. The TV truck was there, and I saw it, and I ran up, and oh my God, I go running into the, um, oh, I go running right into the where the doctor, Doctor Butch was. Yeah, he was. It was good. It wasn't good at all. He, um, it was. It, like, they said if he was at the other end of the rink, you know, instead of the closer to the to the uh, dressing room side, he would have died. He would have just, uh, but I see Clint quite a bit in the summer. He, you know, his mom's in Kelowna. He's doing real good and I'm happy for him. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. No, no, it was, uh, it was a scary thing. And, um, he, uh, you know, he, he got through it and, um, you know, he's, he's doing a lot. Yeah. We had, we had him on a show and he was tremendous. Like, uh, he's he's a great speaker. Yeah. Yeah. He talked about the attempted suicide as well. Yeah. uh, he was funny, so I felt like it was appropriate to do it. <laughs> oh my God, no! This is—I well, guess it is funny, maybe. But well, he, he, he tried to shoot himself, as you know. And yeah, didn't succeed. I said to him, "Phil, Phil couldn't kill him." <laughs> yeah, I said to him, "I said you're a bad shot." <laughs> no, he—he's yeah. a character. Yeah, character. but you're right. He's really done a lot of great things for other people now. All the stuff he does. So. Yeah, well, well, for mental health too, he does a lot for that too. And and you know, it's 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 amazing, you know how. A lot of former players, and you hear about the bad things, but he's been a great uh, ambassador yeah. in that regard, yes. Isn't that true? You know, you, you don't always hear about the good things that the players are doing, right? You just hear the bad. Right. That's just human nature. It's, you know, that's the way it can be going. Yeah. That's what I know we went through it with Barry back and Mark Pavlich, where, uh, you know, right. Pav had his problems. And Barry was going to work in Hong Kong, so he was kind of out of touch with uh, what was going on in the NHL. And was you know, pretty negative at that time about what other people were not doing. And since then... He's got his own help. Like the Rangers, Clint Sather, Adam Graves, and others were fantastic to him when he was in town. So I think Barry saw firsthand that you know the NHL and individuals do a lot of great things for each other. So, so okay, so you had eight years in Buffalo? Yeah. And then got traded to Detroit? Yeah, it was a difficult time. That's when my father died of ALS that year. Oh, uh, man. He was 52, as I said. It was a real tough Tough time for me. Um, I was getting married because my wife was pregnant. <laughs> um, in Christmas time, I got I got traded two weeks before that. But 
Uh, I think once, you know, I got to Detroit to um, the season finishing, my daughter came in May and that was, and Mike Gillich bought the team. And that was the, that was the difference for me. I, I, he wanted me to be his captain. I, I was his first captain and I sat and they drafted also Steve Eisenman that year. And I sat next to Stevie Y four years. 17 was Gerard Gallant, buddy. I was 18 and Stevie was 19. So we sat and they had some, you know, we had some good years. A couple of years we made the playoffs, um, up and down a little bit after that, but then they went on to, to do what they did. And, you know, Cups and, and Illiches were the best. Mike Illich was the best. Yeah. I mean, uh, best owner. I mean, he was the whole family were great. And uh, so, Danny, going back to the trade from Buffalo, um, I can somewhat relate to you because I was assistant captain. You know, yeah. Trade, like, it's kind of like that's your team, right? You were the captain there. And so it makes it even harder uh, because you really sink, you really invest your heart into that team. You're not just another player. Is that, did that go, go through you a lot? Sure. Well, it did. Um, but you know, the interesting part about that too was um, I I led the, in the two years prior to me getting traded. I led the league in scoring with fifty six. I had a hundred and ten goals in those two years, fifty six and forty seven, and two hundred points total in the two years. And I was the captain. <laughs> I was like, you know, Scotty obviously wanted when or Scotty Bowman wanted to to change up the, the team and whatever. And, and I was, you know, the trade was a big trade. It was uh, Felino, Peterson, McCord, seventh player deal. So, yeah, it was, it was a bit shocking, but, um, hey, that's life. That's the way it, that's the way it goes. It is funny. We've talked about guys that get traded all the time. It's always the same story. Like when other guys are getting traded, it's like, okay, you you feel bad for them, but life's got to go on. you got to get the practice, got to get right. the game going. And yeah. you get you get traded, you're like, where's everybody? <laughs> Well, you know, you know what the funniest part about all that? After you're with a team that long, you know, eight years, like you said, Buffalo, you know when it really hit me, Tommy? It was when I was putting my socks on for the game. Oh. The red and white sock yeah. instead of the blue and gold, you know? I'm not on the Sabres anymore. And that I was just, hey. I mean, you went to L.A., right? And yeah. Oh, it's the same thing. Yeah, we uh, we all met for a beer at uh, a local place uh, when we got yeah. traded. Yeah. And, uh they all left. They had, they had to go home, get ready for a game the next day or whatever. And I'm sitting there like, some girls crying. He's crying into a beer. I, you know what? I, I, I won't. I'm not. I would never say this before, but I, I, I shed a tear. Yeah, I was. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. So did we. Shorty yeah. cried at the airport. We was getting interviewed. I mean, Jim Schultz was a big part of our team back then, sure. and um, I've always had great respect for him as a yeah. player. Right. Yeah. Was what, did you play with Dave Baloney in Buffalo, or did he? You guys cross paths? Uh, no, Davey was just. To, uh, after me, I believe after I got traded. Yes, sir. But you did you did play with Dubes and Eddie Mio in Detroit, right? I did. Yes, I did. Dubes was uh, and Eddie Mio Mayo. I mean, um, Mio. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, like Dubes was great. He, I yeah. still, he, I, he's in Jacksonville, and I'm here in Tampa. We've crossed paths at different golf tournaments down. Right. He looks, right. he still looks the same. Oh, I know. He still thinks he can play too. Yeah, he still looks the same. I don't. Well, he does. God well, we caught. Well, he caught. He. Uh, so the big debate is. Well, we think one of the reasons he's dating Sarah Palin is that they don't have to carry like they share their hair care products and everything like that. So they don't have to right, you know, right. carry their own bag. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he is a good guy. You know, what people didn't understand with him how good of a teammate he was. Like they, they thought oh, because all the Ula Lasa soon and 
yeah. Studio 54, but he was a great teammate, really competitive guy. And it's skate. I played in the Canada Cup with him in um, on the Canadian team in '81. Yeah, he was great. I played with the the Rat Lindsman and Nifty Middleton. Our line. Oh, uh, there you go. What was Middleton's nickname? Oh, he was it was, never, it was Nifty, but he was Silky. Well, the Sil Slutters. Silky too. Yeah, he had great ads. Oh, so you knew about that one. Did you know why they called him Silky though? Just because of his no. ads. I'm not. No, we had we had him on no. the show, and we forced him to tell the story. He it was what he was. Uh, he was at a strip joint. And what was it, a transvestite strip? <laughs> so he was talking to this transvestite strip. <laughs> he, he, did, he, he started to tell the story at first, and he pulled back. He said, no, no, come on, you got to tell us, you got to tell us. So he finally told us, he's a good guy, too. You know, he was definitely one of those guys, too. I hated playing against him. It was like he was lucky all the time, right? Like, oh, yeah. Always... You know what we remind him about? The way, when he got in the puck inside 20 feet or so, he reminded me of Donnie Murdoch. Yeah, good, yeah. They had hands. They knew where to go with it. You know, the shot was okay, but not yeah. crazy. But they they just had the that knack to find the net. You know, now, where are you living now? You're in you're in Detroit or Buffalo? Tampa. Tampa. Uh, I'm in Tampa right now. I spend my my winters down here. I go back and do some work with the Saber. Few games. I'm going late October, and I have a I have a company down here that you can see. Yeah. <laughs> Here. You yeah, know? absolutely. Go ahead. Tom, it's, um, it's a synthetic ice company, and I've been doing it for over 10 years, Tommy, and it's something that I got into after my broadcast career. I met a gentleman down here that skates, a uh, gentleman, a hockey player that was in the sports servicing business, Mike McGraw, and he had this synthetic product from Europe, and then eventually we found the product here with a better uh, glide. It's because it's all about glide. It's kind of yeah. similar to ice, you know, because we had synthetic ice back when we played. Yeah. It was it was there, but it wasn't great, you know. Yeah. So this this company, um, Can Ices, has really blossomed. It's great for kids for development in their basement. They can ski 365 days a year. I wish I had it when I was a kid. No tip, yeah. I mean, it, and it's and it's. It's really, you know, been helpful for, you know, even NHL players like Sidney Crosby has in the summertime for training. Jonathan Taves, uh, Pavlovsky, Pavelski, um, you know, Marsha Show, a lot of, a lot of players. So we're, we're very happy with it. If people want to check it out, they can go to www.can-ice.com. So again, it's C-A-N-I-C-E. See if everybody wants to. You got it. That's a great product. That's a great thing for kids, right? So you guys think so expensive. That's why I bet well, hockey. Yeah, and, and it's and it's the cost and the scarcity of it too. You know, like in a lot of places. I mean, down here in Tampa, I mean, it's four or five hundred bucks an hour, you know, to, to rent a, a sheet of ice for an hour and I don't know other places, but it's it's it, it's it's it, it's it's really uh, something that I, I'm I'm happy with trying because I used to shoot pucks and off of off of, off of like a um, I'd wax a, a piece of plywood you know okay. wax and then I shove it into a net. So the difference with this is you can skate, you wear your skates, and you can do tight turns, and you have the same mechanics. You know what I'm saying as you do on the ice. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. So you had six years in Detroit. That you got traded to Edmonton. Is that where you finished? No, I actually, <laughs> I was. My contract was up with, um, and we didn't make the playoffs my last year in Detroit. And uh, Brad Park came in to coach. That's right. Yeah. Park just just didn't work out, you know. And Jimmy D, uh, who was the GM at the time, you know, decided to go in a different direction, which I understand. Um, so I'm I, 
I felt that I could still play or still give it another shot. I mean, my, I'd had issues with my back, you know, which would bother me, but it seemed to get better. So I said to my wife at the time, I said, you know, I'd really like to give it another shot here. She, and I said, I'd really like to win a cup. And she said, well, what do you think is going to win a cup, you know, next year? This was in the off season. I said, Edmonton, they're going to win it the next three or four years, trust right. me. Right. So I called up Mike Barnett, who was an old friend of mine. Yeah, Barnett. I worked with Mike at IG, yeah, good guy. You, you know Mike. Yeah, yeah, Mike actually played hockey in Nelson, West school, you know, in Notre Dame, and then he went on to do sports pages, IMG and blah, and a great, great friend. So I called him up. He's up in Edmonton, and I said to him, you know, I asked him what, how I should go about, you know, maybe ask him stay there for a, an opportunity to come to camp or get a contract. And he says, well, Danny, go just call him and see what he's got to say. So Glenn's a pretty personable guy. And so I called up Slats and I said, Glenn, you know, Danny Gare here, um, I'd really like to have an opportunity to help you. Because they, they had younger guys then. They sure. didn't have a lot of veteran guys that I thought with maybe my, you know, experience being around the league for what it was and being a captain. Uh, and I thought I could still help out playing well. He says, what do you want, a contract or a tryout? I said, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. He says, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. So he gets back to me. And he said, Daddy, this is what we're going to do. He says, uh, I want you to you have a tryout. You're welcome to come in, you know, for the for the camp. And uh, I came and I said, okay. And this was in maybe June. So I worked that my ass off. I was in the best shape. I uh, And I talked to, you know, Barney again. And, um, you know, I knew Wayne and Mark a little bit, you know. So he put me in the main dressing room. I went in there uh, all by myself until, the, you know, for the rookie camp. I mean, and I, and I had Joey Moss. I had Barry Stafford. I had Spark. Well, sorry to interrupt you, Deb. That's pretty cool, right? Like, they show respect for you. I mean, yeah. And that's what Glenn did. You know, he yeah. was that type of guy because he yeah. played the game. He understood it. But my roommate, my roommate over at the four men was Essa Tikkanen. He oh, no, you poor bastard. <laughs> yeah, you poor guys, that bastard. I have fought, we battled, we broke laps. I mean, this guy, oh, he was a nutcase when he fought. I said to Sather, I said, this guy's nuts. If you can just channel his energy to put it on me. I, I, <laughs> we were in a game one time before uh, before the big trade, Wayne's trade, because Chris Oninsky was on the ice, and Tikkan was yapping at me. I couldn't understand a word he's saying. Tikkan called Yeah. yeah. Chris Oninsky looks at me and goes, we don't understand him either. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, uh, that's funny. He really came around, Essa. But again, so I I ended up make the team. Um, I stayed there for well till first part of March. Sailor had that in my contract March first. He could let me go, which he did, which I was a little upset about. And uh, he brought in Yaroslav Buzar. But I mean, when they won the cup, they flew me and my wife in. I had a place down there sold at the time, and Willie said they'd like you to be here. So in Philly game, what was it, game five or game six, when Snow slashed Anderson, uh, they lost that game. And then I said, now what? So it was, I think it was game seven, and then it went back to yeah, game seven. They go to seven, yep. Yeah. And I, they said they want you to come, come on the plane back to Edmonton. And I said, well, okay. Marianne goes, well, my wife says, well, the two babies are still with their mom and dad, and we can, you know, a couple of days more. So we go on the plane. I walk on, and here's Glenn and Ann Sather sitting right there in the front. And Glenn, Danny. I go, Glenn, how are you? He goes, 
great to see you. I said, well, I told you I was here to help you win a cup. He said, I have to go back and talk to the boys, he said. Go back and talk. So they ended up winning it. I go down and I get pictures of the cup and, you know, hanging out in the dressing room. They wanted me to stay for the parade. I said, no, no, I'm going to get back. But you know what? About three weeks later, Gretz called me and said they'd like to get me a ring. You know, oh, they're wow. awesome. This is a great story. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they did. The players bought me a ring for it. The players did. Yeah. Wow. That you know what? That's an incredible story. You know, that really says a lot about that organization. And it's um it's something I'll never You know, and, and people give like let's see, like he's got that hard personality publicly, right? Like he's this hard ass kind of guy, but he's really got a big heart. He does a lot of things for other people, right? He's done a lot for a lot of players. And he always seemed to take in like, you know who else came that year was Mac T, Craig McTavish. Right. And Craig was in jail for a year for, yep. you know, vehicle homicide in Boston and he came out of jail and, and he ended up getting an opportunity from Glenn, you know, he, and he won, won how many cups, four or five. Yeah, that's right. Then he went to New York and won a cup too. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, no, I have nothing but good things. Glenn was a, a real prick when I played against him. <laughs> he was a little scrapper, but like, yeah. you know, but, um, he certainly, you know, certainly accomplished a lot. Well, listen, you know what? It's been an honor to have you on the show. Well, let, let's ask a question, though, first, because okay. Danny, Danny's numbers are very similar to Clark Gillies. He's got two. Oh, guilty. here we go. Here we you go. got the number retired by the Sabres. What about the Hall of Fame? Do you, you think about it? I do a little bit, but not a lot. Um, I think, um, you know, the criteria, the Hall of Fame, maybe has changed a little bit, a lot of it, like you say, Clark. And Clark, you know, less goals, less points than me, but four cups. Four cups. You know, that's that's where I that's where I don't fall in. But I mean, not everyone gets the opportunity. We went to the Stanley Cup my first year. You know, I went, I had a chance with Edmonton, but I I don't know. I, I mean, like I say, it's a numbers thing is how they look at it. You have to have close to four hundred goals. But the thing I looked at too is I I was a captain for ten years of my thirteen and. I did did battle quite a bit, which I don't know if that criteria is part of it. Well, the, char- the character part of it, for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, you tried to be a leader. You tried to do what you could do to help the team uh, any way you can. And I'm in five Hall of Fames, but I would, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think um, it, it's, it's, we'll see. I don't know. I don't, well, I don't, they really, you really need to get somebody to campaign for you. Push it. Yeah, you need that. Actually, oh. <laughs> you do. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I, I don't mean I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just you know, there's so many guys out there. Yeah, you, so you have to get somebody to get you on the radar. But, the, but there's a group of players we've had on this show. Yeah, uh, Danny, Brian Prop, Rick Middleton, Bernie Nichols. Right. These guys are all Hall of Famers. Right. So I don't know what the, the holdup is. When no offense to Daniel Alfredson, guys like that, but he gets in the Hall of Fame. Right. These guys are better players. I, I just I think it's really just to get somebody like the problem. Danny's going to have now. I've been out of the game for so long. To get him back on the radar again, it takes somebody to really push for him, to somebody yeah. to get in those meetings. Because so they have the committee of people. Yep. My understanding is now somebody will stand up and say, okay, I think Danny Garrett needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Here's why he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. And then yeah, he's certainly well-respected. So. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, my number's retired, and then my brother-in-law, Tom Rennie, who uh, married my sister, Glenda, and Tommy, you know, um, he said to me the night my number was retired because we played the Rangers. And um, he said, Danny, there's uh, 500 and something in the Hall of Fame. There's only 120 numbers retired or something. Oh, like there you go. Yeah. 
Good point. Yeah, that's an honor. So, so retired in Buffalo, correct? Yeah. 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 See, that's yeah. an honor right there. Of all the great players, and, and Buffalo's been a pre pretty strong organization as far as like really good players playing there too. They've had some good ones, yeah. And uh, I'll never forget, um, you know, when I got the, the the banner goes up and Tom comes over and says, you know, okay, on the ice, congratulations. And this was just before Yager, Yarmer comes up to me and he goes, Danny, up. On behalf of the New York Ranger organization, <laughs> we would like to congratulate you on this special, special evening. And I said, thanks, John. That's funny. That's a great invitation by you. Good job. Well, just, you know, my number is retired at Madison Square Garden as well. It is. It's just got Brian Leach's name on it. That's the only thing. Yeah. I go to speaking engagements sometimes and I'll get up there and I'll say, well, my number's retired. I introduced myself, told me my life story. My number's retired. My number's retired at the garden. Yeah, they spelled it wrong. Yeah, uh, well, he's a funny guy too. I give it to him pretty good. So events, I see him. At, he gives it back pretty good too. He's good. Yeah, at least yeah. good man. Well, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought up the Hall of Fame thing. That was a good point for you too. So. Well, I appreciate that. But guys, thanks a lot. Um, great to see you, Tommy, and good luck with your family and everybody. So thanks for having me on. Same to you, Danny. You're a great man. Great to have you on. Thanks, Danny. Here, guys. Maybe I'll start singing too. Oh, Canada. That's good, isn't it? I just lost half our audience. That's right good. At least. Oh, listen to that. It's like I'm at, uh, at maybe Gardens back in like 1960 or something like that. Oh, Canada. Growing up a hockey player and fan, that is it's a better anthem than the American anthem. No doubt. It's, it's something about it. Yeah, what is it? It's like something that's like very, uh, gets you going. Like it's, it's a great, great song. But they changed it. They changed from All Thy Sons Command to, to All of Ours. Just so lame. Oh, uh, did they? I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, God, let's start on that. But uh, what a great show. We had a, a guy who played for Team Canada in the Canada Cup. We had Danny Gay. He was awesome. And, and, you know, what a tough little player. What a fantastic guy to talk to. But playing against him was like, like you look at the lineup certain times, you look at guys you got to play against him. You saw that yeah. playing against Gare. Oh, that's a talented, tough, like never quit competitor. Man, he's good. Yeah, and he said, he told us the secret to it. And if you watch his, go, people should go back and look at his fights. Yeah. He is just pumping guys. Yeah. And he said the secret was that great kazoo helmet he had that was yeah. this gigantic bubble helmet that guys would hurt their hand on. He'd come up with uppercut. Oh, he was what a competitor, too. Good guy. But that was what a fun guy, too. The stories, you know, he had some times during his career, like he got traded, got Edmonton let him go at the end of his career, but he wasn't bitter. I mean, he didn't like it, but you tell he wasn't bitter. He's, you know, proud of okay. That can ice is his uh, product, the artificial ice. Yes. He's hanging out with your buddy Espo, playing some golf. <laughs> Well, you, we're trying to get Phil on the show again, but I, I do caution you. You're gonna have to edit a lot. No, that's fine. We'll, yeah. we'll let it go. But it, it, but he did. Espo put the terms out. He said he wants what do you say? Two bottles of vodka. I thought it was three. Oh, three. Okay, <laughs> three bottles of vodka to come on the show. So, we'll work. And he had the f bombs dropping. Danny's telling the story. That's all right. We'll get him. Oh, uh, what a great story. Great player. And, and you, I'm glad you did this at the end of the show. You brought up the Hall of Fame, the potential for him. And, uh, yeah, he definitely. Should. He's one of those guys, like you know, like Nichols and Prop yeah. and Middleton. Like they're just great players, and they just. I don't know why they're overlooked. You know, they're almost like they don't want to self-promote themselves, and you have to you have to get somebody to promote yeah. you. Yeah, it's almost like you got to go to somebody and say, "Listen, can you promote me in the Hall of Fame?" Which no I, one's going to do that. Well, yeah, but like Danny Gear's not going to go to somebody. No. Yeah, and neither is Bernie Nichols, neither is yeah. Prop, and neither yeah. neither is uh, is Rick Middleton, yeah. and all these guys are great players. Yeah. yeah, and like you brought it up too, there's the guys like Danny Elfordson. No disrespect to him a ton, but uh, he's a very good player. Yeah, but those guys should be as well. Great show, Absolutely. love that guy. Yep. Laddie. Yeah, yeah, we body, laddie.
weren't grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.